I know that this episode had a lot of certain things that can be super triggering for people. So I do want to put just a brief trigger warning for abuse in relationships, for divorce, if that is something that is triggering to you, and just certain traumas that surround being in toxic relationships. And there will be resources posted at the bottom of this episode for you guys to look into if you guys are seeking help or need help. There are so many resources out there. All right, let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Trying to Figure It Out. For anyone who might be new here, I'm Allie, and on Trying to Figure It Out, we literally do exactly that. We try to figure it all out. We talk about things like friendship, mental health, dating, and we also learn about life along the way, and I'm so grateful to get to do this and get to do it with such awesome guests. Right now on Trying to Figure It Out, we are in the middle of our divorce mini-series. If you want to hear about my own experience with divorce, you can check out last week's episode and also check out the first episode of Trying to Figure It Out where I really dive into my personal experience. But we are continuing this week with a guest who is very graciously going to share her own story today. She is an incredibly successful entrepreneur. She's a mother to four children, and she's going to tell us about her experience going through two divorces today. Welcome to Trying to Figure It Out, Jacqueline. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Also, just a little shout out. Jacqueline is an amazing jeweler, and she brought me this today. It's a beautiful A necklace, and I'm so grateful. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Babe. Your stuff is amazing, and Thanks. I'm excited to check more of it out. I did see that you were at Disneyland last weekend, and everyone who listens to Trying to Figure Out knows that I am a Disney adult in full swing. I am obsessed with theme parks. <laughs> I love Disney. So how was your trip, and we what had, did you do? We had a great time. It was my daughter's 14th birthday. Oh. And so, you know, it's usually we go on a trip or we go somewhere, and with everything else that's been happening, she wanted to go to Disneyland. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Disneyland, right? Truly. We did every ride, possibly oh twice. You know, <laughs> what's, is it, it's not Terror of, Terror, Terror of Tower, Tower, Tower of Terror. It's, it's Guardians Galaxy. of the Galaxy yes, now. Yeah. 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 So we had to do that a couple of times. I mean, that was the that best That one's one. the best. Yeah. And the Incredicoasters. Oh, yeah. That's super so great. <laughs> well, happy birthday to your daughter. Thank you, babe. So I cannot wait to hear more about your children and all of your business success, but I first want to go into your childhood and what your life was like growing up. So where did you grow up and what was your family dynamic like? Well, um, I am half Armenian half Latino and um, in the Armenian community, I mean, you know, my father was very well known. He owned uh, banks, newspaper, casino, card club, um, a jewelry store. And so I was raised very strict because of all, because he was a high powered person. Growing up, it was interesting. It, it wasn't the norm. I had a bodyguard in school. Wow. When I was about um, 12 um, they, there was a group that was trying to kidnap me for a $2 million ransom. And, uh, oh since then, I mean, like my life changed because we had the FBI living at the house and right. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't even go outside unless I had these two guys in suits just watching wow. me. But I thought that, that was normal. I thought that right. that's what everybody kind of went through. I was 12 years old when that all happened. And, uh, so Imagine already being going living in a strict family and then going from that to now you can't really go anywhere. That's so weekends were intense. at my parents' ranch and or the beach house or whatever it may be, but I was not allowed to go out. Right. When you turned 22, your parents set up an arranged marriage for you. 
without actually getting into the details of the marriage yet, can you tell me a little bit more about the process of actually arranging the marriage? People were starting to ask, Jacqueline's 21. How come she's not married? So young. I know, right? And it was like, I'm never getting married. Yeah. You know, like, this is not happening. I'm moving to Paris. I'm going to run away from all this shit. And I'm never getting married. Yeah. But of course, you know, with such a strict family, you can't do anything. You can't even go, like, to the market without... No, you know them knowing every detail where you're going right. you know, who are you going with who are you going to meet with and all that fun stuff so when I was 21 there were my family were talking to everybody and trying to figure out who was the right suitor for me right, right guy and um there were four different gentlemen that would come t- into the office at different times one was a jeweler one was and I remember him vividly because I couldn't he he looked like the cookie monster. He was wearing this brightest <laughs> bluest suit and sitting there. I was mortified. Like, I am going to marry the cookie monster. This is not going to happen. <laughs> and then another one, his father was, the, he was selling arms deals to uh, Iran. He flew in from Florida to my parents' ranch to meet with the family. He bought a car. He bought a Porsche to take me out to dinner and so wow. he comes to the ranch and he was like, okay, we're going to go to this wonderful steakhouse and, you know, I'm going to take you to a nice dinner. And I was like, you know, I really just want to go and get fried chicken and honey. Can we go like get <laughs> we, some real food? Yeah. Like I'm not going to pretend. And so <laughs> he takes me to Smokey's and it was in, in uh, La Quinta. And so we finally get there and we're having this conversation and, and he was like, you know, I can't handle my father always having to wake me up and take me, make sure that I'm going to work. And I thought, loser, this guy has no ambition. <laughs> he comes from this really wealthy family and this guy doesn't really want to work. And, right. I, and so I was like, you know, I'm really tired. Can you please take me back to the ranch? And so he was really upset, takes me to the ranch and my, and my family were, they were so upset with me. Because I did not, because he was like, oh, this really wealthy guy from a wealthy family, right. blah, 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 blah. They were so upset with me that that next morning at six o'clock in the morning, they all left and they left me at the ranch alone. Stop. No, I swear. And I was there for a whole week. Did they communicate with you at all? No, no, no. I wow. would call, you know, and at that time there was like, you know, this phone was hooked up to the wall in the kitchen <laughs> and, you know, you're at the ranch, you know. Or, yeah. So I was alone. I think they left on a, a Sunday morning and then on Thursday, the following Thursday was my favorite TV show. It was Barbara Walters 2020. <laughs> and I was like, fine, I get to watch TV all by myself, right? Yeah. And so I turned on the TV and who's there? It's his father. This guy's father is on in prison for for selling arms deals and, and um, the government put him in jail and all this stuff was happening. Barbara what? Walters was interviewing him. And within the next 20, 30 minutes of that night, my parents call and I pick up the phone and they're like, we're coming to get you. Like, and they were like, oh my God, Jacqueline, you're so smart. You saw the writing on the wall. Oh like, God. I can't believe you dodge a bullet and blah, blah, blah. Wow. And then here's this family selling all their family jewels and, you know, like everything to to get the father out of jail or out of right. prison, you know? So all this stuff was going on. And, and then they thought, oh, finally, you know? They were like, meaning in Armenia, oh, she's smart. She she knows what she's doing. Right. You know, so there's now there's two more guys, right? right? And then the third guy was 
my dad's best friend's son, whom I thought, okay, this is going to be great. We grew up together. We know each other. We like the same things, whatever, whatever. But because I am half Armenian, his mother did not want me. And so that didn't work out. Fourth guy was a really nice guy, so I thought. He was involved in our family a lot for the last five years, always sending flowers and chocolate and whatever. And so I picked him. And he was in the diamond business. And I thought, okay, well, we have the same commonality of being in the jewelry business. So this is going to be great. Gosh, I got engaged in August. And February, we got married. When did you pick him before you got engaged? Oh, gosh, a month before. Oh, wow. So it's And it's not like you could even go out on a date. I mean, I would be going to Olive Garden and (laughs) and then going straight back home. There was no dating at that time. So there wasn't like any time that you guys spent really alone together before the marriage? At dinner. How did you feel entering the marriage? Did you feel like he was the right pick for you? Did you feel good about the choice? Um, I felt like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what's normal. Like, you know, and the other three didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> so this was this was the right pick. You said you're half Latina. Mm-hmm. So your mom and dad, was their marriage arranged? No. And how did that how did that come about? My parents, they met at a, at a night school on how to speak English because they both didn't know how to speak English. Really? And so my mom would say that she would think that he was the nicest guy because all he could say is yes. You know? <laughs> And so, you know, she came from a broken family. And so, you know, Armenians are all about family. It's like, you know, you've, you were, you grew up with somebody, they're your cousin. They're not right. really your cousin, but you just kind of grew up and you take them in and yeah. they're part of your family. And it's like, everyone kind of knows each other and we're always looking out for each other. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about being, you know, Armenian. The tradition and just oh, the yeah, family, the culture, and, the culture yeah. is really beautiful of having yeah. like a big family dynamic yeah. and all of that. So you eventually had a son with your first husband. Mm-hmm. What was motherhood initially like for you? Did you feel like you were ready for it? Or was it kind of just the next step in what was expected of you as a woman at the time? So going back my, to my childhood, I remember my siblings would call me mom because there was nobody there for right. them. So I just felt that that was my role. I felt like that's, you know, that's what I have to do. Right. Is to have children. That's why you get married. So before you had your son, did you and your husband at the time get along? And what kinds of things did you guys do together? And what was the dynamic like? We really didn't get along. He was like very controlling to the point where I couldn't wear a two-piece bathing suit. Or if my straps were too thin, that you know, I would have to cover it up. You know, I couldn't wear heels and I couldn't. I mean, he was not, he he was not a good person, but he also was raised in a, um, a boarding school at two years old. They put the family, put him in a boarding school. So there was a lack of empathy and compassion and true love. You know what I mean? For actually feeling that. For sure. To be left at boarding school at that age is a really crazy thing. Yeah. I could never imagine that. Yeah. Wow. If you don't mind sharing, can you walk me through the end of your marriage and how that played out and what kind of led to that? With him, I think the first year and having the child, everything was great. But it was that lack of 
intimacy and all that stuff started happening and and the the controlling of my appearance and what I look like and how much makeup I wore it just started to escalate and after my daughter was born and the lack of him being involved in the family and his constant affairs it was just getting too much yeah as a young mom and you're taking one to soccer one to dance and you're coming home and doing homework and trying to right. you know clean house and do everything and then it would be he would call me around five thirty, six o'clock and be like what's for dinner and I was like I didn't have a chance to make dinner tonight I'm exhausted right and he's like okay your punishment is you're I'm not coming home and so he would not come home <laughs> he would be gone wow. with his friends or girlfriend or whatever it may be and that was so hard because I couldn't tell my family. It probably would have been turned around as like, what are you doing wrong? You know, how come you're not making dinner? Yeah. Or how come, you know, all these things are not happening. Right. And he's upset. So my parents did not know he was abusive. They knew the verbal. They knew the emotional part, but I would right. never show the, you know, the part where it got ugly. I knew about the women. I knew about... Uh, everything yeah because his secretary told me so when I confronted him it just got ugly he denied it denied it and then I think it was a Saturday morning the kids were getting up and I was still in bed which was a big no-no right so he pulled me out of bed and drug me out of the master bedroom and my daughter at the time saw that happening and was screaming and crying and and that was it that's the day that I knew that I had to leave because if I stayed she would have to go through what I went through yeah and I couldn't let her go through that and let her watch it mm-hmm. especially when like you're and destroy her, mom, her. You're the one yeah. that's around you're the one doing I'm supposed the work. to protect her a hundred percent and sometimes to protect your kids you also have to protect yourself and that's a hard mm-hmm. lesson to learn as a parent I'm sure so shortly after that, I mean, I had to leave. And I said, I'll make you a deal. We had $20 million in the bank, and I said, you keep the money, I keep the kids. And he said, fine, and he hasn't seen the kids since then. Has he spoken to them at all? To my son, he does, but not really to my daughter. And, like, here I am living behind the gates and in this beautiful mansion, and and now I have nothing. Yeah, I can't go home because... My parents disowned me at the time. So I remember having those huge, like, is it a five-gallon Arrowhead water bottle? Yeah. So I dumped it out. I had quarters in there. Wow. And um, that's how um, I still had a roof over my head for a while. And that's how I paid for food and gas. And when I finally went back to my parents and asked for help and told them everything, they gave me a check to go get an attorney. I went back to work with my father and then the next month I sold about 200 grand worth of diamonds and jewelry. And that's amazing. I was like, thank the Lord I could feed my kids. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) First off, just so much respect for you for being where you are now and being so successful and being so strong about it. It's not easy to talk about these things at all, (laughs) especially when there's kids involved. It's, it's so layered. I'm really truly sorry that you had to go through that because no one should ever have to experience something like that. When you left, 
how did your son and daughter take the situation and how did they really process it at the time? My son hated me because he was always on his downside. You know, if my son didn't finish his homework, it was my fault. If he didn't finish his project, I didn't finish it for him. So it was my fault. My daughter and I were very close and I had no control over my son. What did your life look like in those years after the divorce and what did dating look like for you? I didn't know like dating really existed. You know what I mean? I know it sounds so stupid. But you got to look at it in, through my eyes. So yeah, I was dating this guy who um, I thought was really cool, really fun and nice. And you know, gosh, he didn't hit me. Or, but he was a liar. He was married at the time, and I thought he was going through a divorce, which yeah, that's what he said he was. So during that, my parents, you know, were like, "You got to stop seeing this guy. This guy's not good for you. He's not Armenian. He's American. He's you know." This is not the way that, you know, you were raised and whatever. And so my parents, again, were like, oh, you have to come to the ranch because Brent is coming to the ranch and he's going to see the family. And, you know, my family was very Catholic and they were throwing holy water on me. And (laughs) like, you know, you have to come. Otherwise, you're going to go to hell and, you know, whatever. So the first time I did not show up at the ranch, I... I pretended that my car wasn't working. I couldn't go. Then this guy was so persistent. And I met him at Marina Del Rey to have breakfast with his kid and his right. brother. And I've known them since I was like nine. Right. So I thought, okay, this is going to be, I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out. But during that process, it was like he was opening the car door for me, giving me flowers. Now remember, I went from being beat up to being told I'm fat and ugly and and ripping my clothes off if it showed any skin to now a guy's giving me a flower. Yeah. Opening car door. The bar is set so low. Oh gosh. Like exactly. Like anybody could have, anybody could have just. The bare minimum feels like it's like the best treatment (laughs) of all time. Oh my God, this guy is going to be the greatest guy, greatest (laughs) husband in in the world. And so um, this is the crazy part. Now remember, um, I was not allowed to date and I thought, okay, now my family is finally accepting me again and they know this guy since he was born, you know? And, um, so on our fourth date, he's like, I want to get married. And I was like, oh, let's do it. Cause like, (laughs) I thought you can't sleep with somebody unless you're married, you know? So I was like, oh, okay. You know, two months later, let's go run off and get married. And, uh, we did. Wow. We went to Vegas and got married and, um, and that was that. And then I moved to Scottsdale and had two kids with him. I didn't know that he was this typical con man. I just, yeah. I lost everything. So he stole from you. Well, I lost everything. We had, um, a, you know, I had a successful business in Scottsdale. I had, you know, a beautiful home on 20 acres. We had two homes. You know, um, I was working a lot. Yeah. And he wasn't he said he was he was just taking other people's money and just really corrupted you know everything and my money and everything I worked for and how do you take something that's not yours from that moment everything started to unravel because I was looking deep right now you're like you're watching everything and then found the 20 year old that he was seeing and taking care of and when I found that out, I actually moved 
to Newport Beach and left and left my business, left my homes, took the kids and kind of played house with him until I could get my shit settled. Even though I walked away with nothing, I still have my kids. He moved back to Scottsdale. He's remarried and and I have the kids and I'm in LA now with the two babies. Wow. So what year did you get divorced for the second? The second um time? we're probably in 2020. Oh wow. So this is still pretty recent. Yeah. So now this is the second time that you've really had to restart your business and really restart like start do everything. Everything over again. Mm-hmm. So now you have two more children. I do. How did they process this change for them? In the beginning, it was really difficult for my 14-year-old. Yeah. You know, but we call each other the three musketeers. We Mm -hmm. are, you know, there's one thing I've learned from all of this. It's like, I need to be their best friend. I know everyone's like, oh, you got to be a parent first. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't believe in that. We are the best of friends. They see their dad maybe one month in the summer. And I don't want to take them from him. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want them to see that what he did was okay. Right. You know? Like, it's it's like almost like I have to protect them. Right. It's like, way. how do you find the balance of letting them have that relationship with their father, but also protect them from who their father mm-hmm. is and make sure that they you know, can Mm -hmm. have both options and also decide for themselves when the time comes for them to do that. It's tough. I have so much respect to hear that, you know, you still are able to maintain such beautiful relationships with your children and continue on showing them as best you can that it doesn't have to be picture perfect. You don't have to stay married. You get divorced once. If you never get married, if you get divorced twice, whatever your children end up going through in their lives. Like I think what you're doing as their mom, as someone who went through it as a child, like I think it's going to go so much farther than you even realize what you're doing to raise them will always stand out to them as something that's taught them so much about life. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you being so vulnerable with me. So now we're going to talk about where you are currently and what's been going on in your life now. So first and foremost, with everything that has happened and that you've gone through how are you doing now just mentally and in general you know there are good days there are bad days for sure you know I've gone through therapy crisis therapy trauma therapy everything everything you can name (laughs) um but this last year I happened to get a life coach and it kind of changed me I have one too. Yeah. He was on the podcast a couple of weeks oh, ago. So and cool. He's so awesome. And it's helped so much. Even if he yeah. can't like, even just getting a text from him in the morning being like, happy Monday, like have right. a good day today. How right. are you feeling? And it's like, just knowing that you have someone that you can talk to at any time right. is so special. Yeah. I feel like the life coach is almost like helping you, giving you the tools to continue. That's actually a really interesting point and something that I'm currently trying to figure out. I'm in a phase where I had like recent trauma and I'm trying to process it and trying to figure out how much of that can be done in therapy and with reprocessing and how much of that is re-traumatizing. So it's like the difference between reprocessing and re-traumatizing yourself and making Mm -hmm. sure you know that line of like Mm -hmm. when you exit your comfort zone of how you're processing emotions. It's definitely a lesson that I have not figured out yet, but I'm trying really hard to so I can figure out when is this going to be something that just happened to me or 
something that defines me, you know? I think that you got to think that it's never going to go away. Yeah. You know, if you could figure out how to deal with it, and it's okay to feel the pain. It's okay yeah. to cry. It's okay to shout, scream, whatever yeah. you need to do to get it out. Yeah. That's normal. I know. To tuck it away and not feel it, that's not normal. I know. And if once you make that peace with like, hey, I'm just having a moment. Yeah. And and calling that life coach or your bestie or whatever. Yeah. Just say, hey, just listen. I need a vent. A hundred percent. I always say my biggest advice to people is just not to be hard on yourself. Like whatever you're feeling that day, if you're deciding that today is a day where you can't get out of bed, don't. And if there's a day where you feel like you don't want to get out of bed, but you feel like you can push yourself, then do that and Mm -hmm. just really listen to yourself and don't be judgmental of how you're feeling in a moment. It's never going to go away. So if 10 years down the line after something happens to you and you still have a bad day because of it, like that's okay. So now that you've restarted your business here in Los Angeles, can you tell me more about JN Jewels? So I have JN Jewels, which is the fine jewelry. I have Charms and Change, which is the necklace that you're wearing. I love it. Yeah, and then House of Jack for all the edgy stuff. Like I probably shouldn't talk about all that on there, but I mean, like I've done everything. You know, yeah. rings that pop open so you could stash stuff in, and to um, a um, a golf club for Steve Harvey that's iced out. And oh my god! Diamond shoes awesome. for a rock star, you know, wife. There's all these different avenues of what I could do and what I've done, and right. I love it. I've been designing jewelry since I was like nine. Made yeah. my first piece at twelve, and then I was selling my designs to all these jewelers and making like a couple hundred bucks. I was like, they're making thirty grand <laughs> off of a piece, and I'm making like two hundred dollars, right? And I'm designing it. Screw that shit. <laughs> So I started my own company, you know, after my first divorce. And um, that's where it just took off. That's amazing. Yeah. Now that you're here and you're a single mom, how do you balance work life and mom life? You know, I think that once you become a, a mom, you have that guilty complex no matter what. Yeah. And there are days that I work from 10 to 10 and I come home crying because I feel like I'm the worst parent. Yeah. But we talk about it and my kids are like, mom, you're putting a roof over our head. You're feeding us. You're taking care of us. We love you. I'm grateful that they understand that. I feel like I fuck up every single day and my kids will be in therapy forever. Like I said, I think the most important thing for me is making sure that we're best friends. Yeah. Like I say, if, you know, if I screw up, I'm so sorry. Right. I am trying my best to make sure I give you everything that you need. Right. There's no handbook. There's no handbook. (laughs) There just isn't. And I just want to make sure that they're okay, you know? I have to ask, what is your love life like now? Oh, that's a deep one. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, um, I just, well, I I won't say I just, I was seeing somebody for two years. This last year, we broke up about a year ago. And um, that was the first guy I actually loved. So it took me down. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, ah, I don't want to cry. I'm 51 and this is all new. Right. So. You've never dated. You've never had heartbreak. You're 51 and you're going through things that people go through when they're 16 and it's all new to you. (laughs) And it's really hard. I wish I looked like I was 16. I wish I could start all over. (laughs) You definitely don't look like you're 50. That's for sure. 
Thanks, honey. At all. It's a lot. You have a you lot on your plate. I do. I have a business. I have children. I have a, a show coming up. I'm opening up a store in Scottsdale. Yeah. So there's so much going on. I think that it's not the right time for me. Yeah. You know, I feel like I need to set up my life for my children and make sure that they're okay. A hundred percent. But if the right guy comes along and can handle me, because everything I went through hardened me a little bit. You of know? course, you have a guard up. At the end of the day, I got a roof over my head. All of my kids and I love each other and we get along great. Yeah. So I probably screwed up in the whole relationship part by trusting so quickly and giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. That was my wrong, but look where it got me. I yeah. got the most amazing kids in the world. And everything you have is yours. And yeah, everything true. you do for them is from you yeah. 100%. And yeah. that's so special, like yeah. beyond. Do you have any advice for someone who might be going through a divorce right now? You know, I think the most important thing during a divorce is remember where you started. You loved each other. Yeah. You created a family together. If you have kids, don't make it about them. Yeah. Don't put them in the middle. You know, we're all not going to get along all the time. Just be an adult about it. Yeah. You know? No, if you're not getting beat up, if you're not if you're not lying or cheating or anything, just break it nicely. You know, you got kids that are looking up to you. For sure. Don't ruin their life because you two couldn't live together. Right. I think that's great advice. Thanks. Okay. Now we're going to just have a little fun. Okay. <laughs> we're going to play a little game, just like a little get to know me game. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you some rapid fire questions, okay. get some, you know, fun information on you and who you are. I think I already know the answer to this question, but what is your favorite restaurant in LA? Oh, Craig's. I knew it. <laughs> Every Thursday. So good. I need to come like, with you on oh Thursday. Oh my God. We start with like four or five people at the end of the night. There's like 14 of us. Oh like, my God. Yeah. In your opinion, what is the most beautiful engagement ring design? Oh, my goodness. There's one guy that couldn't afford a diamond. He got married on the same day as his grandparents got married. And he mm -hmm. wanted that date but to, and to use the grandma's ring and to re-engrave that same day because it was kind of worn out. And that, to me, was... So sentimental, so beautiful. Yeah. No, there's no diamond that could have taken the place of that. The oh my god, this is this is everything. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, selling diamonds puts a roof over my head and feeds my kids, and I'm so grateful for being able to do that. But mm -hmm. you know, even a simple band is so pretty. That's so sweet. What's <laughs> your favorite kids movie? <laughs> Gosh, love The Incredibles. It's a I great mean, movie. like, I feel like everyone needs to be the mom and, you know, and Jack Jack and it's like <laughs> the greatest. It is a good one. <laughs> Who do you look up to the most? My father. I mean. Me too. Yeah. He, he did what he knew. And I think it kind of saved me from going down the wrong path. But he saved me. Yeah. He, gave he me always that. came back. Yeah. He was always still he, there. This is why I have this lion tattoo. I mean, he's this... If you if you know who my dad was in the Armenian community, everyone was afraid of him. Yeah, he looks like this big old lion, but he's a pussycat inside. <laughs> I love that. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite activity to do with your kids? 
Oh my gosh. We do everything. We were ice skating on Saturday. <laughs> I love roller skating. I, I think that's so much fun. Um, you know, starting to take them to go hiking. Mm-hmm. You know, we walk, we do, we do everything together. Just everything. Yeah. 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 If you could go anywhere in the world for your next vacation, where would you go? My 14 year old is obsessed with Japan. So I would love to go there. I'm dying to go to Japan. Yeah. It's definitely up there yeah. on my list. And then 12 year old wants to go to Paris. So it's almost <laughs> like I got to you know, stop at Paris and then keep it going. Sounds like a perfect trip. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the last one is what is your favorite genre of music? God, I listen to everything. Mostly pop. I mean, Miley Cyrus, um, you know, CeeLo Green, who's a good friend of mine. I love, I love all kinds of music. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I'm not a classical person, <laughs> but, you know, but it's definitely, you know, yeah. hip hop. I have a very eclectic taste of music yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I could, if you show me something that's good, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's not pop. So I'm not right. going to like it. I'm yeah. like very open-minded to music. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we wrap up, in every episode of Trying to Figure It Out, I do this thing at the end, and it's my way of incorporating music into the podcast because I love music. I worked in the music industry for years, and it's just something that I like to keep close to me. So at the end of every episode, we do something called Alpiece 3, and it's basically me or my guests come together, and we pick three songs that we kind of think fits a theme in the episode. So I want to ask you if you could tell me three songs that have helped you get through all these hard times that you've been through. Um, I will survive. Love it. Yes. I love um, it. The song by Pink, um, she's the epitome of strength. A hundred percent. And so many of her songs actually are about mm-hmm. like abuse and really mm-hmm. hard relationships and mm-hmm. toxic relationships and all of that. Just like a pill. Oh, I love that. I love that song so much. I loved it when so I was good. like, I could fit your whole house in my swimming pool. That was the best. That's <laughs> such a good song. Yeah. It never gets yeah. old to me. Yeah. It just doesn't. It, I mean, like, all, everything <laughs> she sings is so amazing. I know. So I think I'll just put just a few her. pink songs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to maybe do more than three this episode. <laughs> and uh. then a third. Gosh, you know, I, I love, I love Elton John. I love Harry Styles. I felt like, Going through my last breakup, that's what I listened to a lot. I you feel know? that. Did you listen to Harry's new album? Yes. I it's so obsessed. good. Like I, I cut out his photo and the kids, we make fun of it. Like, <laughs> look at this is my future husband. They're oh like, Mom, God. he's 20. I'm like, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just LA. saw him live in New York and it was oh, amazing. Was it? I saw him in Coachella. Really? Amazing. So good. Amazing. He's amazing. so good. I'm just going to add a few Harry songs. Yes. And we'll We'll just go with it. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so grateful for the stories that you shared. I'm so grateful for your honesty and your vulnerability. It was really special to talk to you and I'm excited to stay in touch with you. It was also just really lovely to get the perspective from someone who has been through divorce, has come out of it and is doing so great now and is figuring things out still, but doing Mm -hmm. so much better and knows when they need to make certain choices for themselves that are not easy to make, especially when there's children involved. So thank you again. You are amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next week with another episode for our divorce mini series. Mm -hmm.